couple weeks ago, we were in Acts chapter 5, and we saw that the disciples were persecuted, and it was they were flogged, and it was meant to stop them from sharing the good news. And because they did not stop it, because they, they kept saying, we are going to deliver the message in the temple, and we're going to deliver the message from house to house, the church began to grow. And because there was growth in the church, there were also growing pains, which is where we get the title of today's message of growing pains. So I'm going to read with, for you Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, that we're going to look at the growing pains that they had to work through. It says, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained to the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. It said, The twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, why don't you choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom? We will turn this responsibility over to them. And we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Well, this proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenes, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Let's ask God's blessing on his word. Thank you, God, for your word. I thank you, God, that there's so much truth in this for every situation that people face in life. And I just pray that we would take this as your wisdom that you want to speak to us through what you use me to say, through what you say apart from me, just through what your scripture says. May you be blessed, may you be glorified. Give me the words to share. In Jesus' name, amen. So has anybody here ever experienced growing pains before? Yep. I've experienced growing pains in my shins. Like shin splints, anybody ever experienced those? Like your legs are going quicker and it just, it hurts every time you walk. Um, you, you can experience growing pains physically. You can experience growing pains in your home. You know, you think about uh, everybody here who's who has a family has experienced growing pains, unless you are the youngest person. Uh, when a new baby came into the house, all of a sudden you have something else to take care of that's going to demand more attention. That's going to mean you have less space in your house. If you've ever had somebody move into your house, we had Leslie's dad move in with us for about a year back in Davenport. Uh, whereas four of us and him, that was a big growing pain. He took the, the basement. You get used to somebody else's schedule, what they like to do, their routine. And there, it's just a lot of give and take in order to make a situation work. Even in the outside world, uh, businesses face growing pains or uh, sports teams because you get new players and you get new dynamics. You have new situations that come up. How are we going to handle this? So growing pains really happen just about everywhere. Everywhere where you have people, you're going to come across new problems that you have to decide how to work with if you're going to keep going. Even churches face growing pains. Uh, and today's passage, we find a church that's growing rapidly, and because of that, there's a pain that's connected to that that they have to work through. And the great thing about this is, when this problem came, they didn't take the easy road out and say, you know what, I'm leaving this church because I don't like the direction it's going. They said, we are going to stay, and we are going to work through this issue so that this church can be better, so that we can grow as a church and continue to have a good reputation with outsiders so this church can continue to grow. So, they had a problem. 
I have a problem. Right here. They had a problem. What was their problem? It says, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, <clears throat> the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked and the daily distribution of food. The church began to grow. There's more people. Obviously, there's going to be more people of every age group, and they need to be taken care of. Now, if you look at these two groups of people, you're going to find similarities. There's, there's, there's three parts to them, two that are similar. First, that they, you have the Grecian Jews and the Hebraic Jews. So they have the same nationality, right? It all comes back uh, down to Abraham and the promise, and they are the, of the same nationality. So one for one, these people are on the same page. Number two is that they are talking about the widows of the church, right? Those whose husband have moved on, who have passed away. Way, and they need help to be taken care of. So that's two for two of these two groups of people who have a disagreement. They're, they're the same nationality. They're, they're the same in the fact that they are widows. But the thing that's different about them is you have Grecian Jews and you have Hebraic Jews. Now I'm just going to try to simplify this as quickly as possible. We're just going to con consider them hometown Jews and foreign Jews. The, the Grecian Jews I mean, were the, the, the foreign Jews. They're the ones who lived elsewhere who came back to Jerusalem and they didn't remember the Hebrew language. They were gone long enough that they didn't speak that Hebrew language. And you had the Hebraic Jews who were the hometown Jews who had always been there. So you have very, very similar people, very, very similar uh, life. But the one thing that's different is that these people have always been here and these people left and they have come back home. Not much of a disagreement, would you say? Not much of a difference. But it's different enough that there is this thought, at least, that some of these people are being overlooked, and probably because they are the foreign people as opposed to the hometown Jews. And somehow this was overlooked. It doesn't say specifically that it happened. It doesn't say specifically how this happened. It looks from, from reading through this that possibly the disciples were trying to do everything. They're, they're doing the ministry of the word. They're praying. They're trying to take in all this food and try to distribute it evenly to the widows. And they finally got to the point where they're, they're missing things. They can't balance every single ball that they have. And so they're starting to drop them possibly. Or it was just a job that really wasn't specifically given to anybody. There was a job title that needed to be passed on to a specific seven people to say, this is your job. You make sure the widows are getting taken care of. Whatever the case is, you have the widows who are being overlooked and the people were not happy about it. That's the problem that they were facing. But it was a result of growth. It was a pain result of the church expanding very, very rapidly. And they just have to work through their issues to say, what do we need to do to take care of this? Modern churches have problems of their own. You know, there are churches out there uh, that throughout the years have had to have expanded very, very quickly, and they have new problems as a result. Um, I was a part of uh, the church that I came from in Davenport. They had several little building projects. First, it was like 20 feet added onto the sanctuary. Then they had a Sunday school room. Then they have like this gymnasium thing that they're building right now for their water floor so they can keep their sanctuary as a sanctuary instead of a takedown room for every that you could possibly have. 
but that's growing pains. There's lots of people involved in that. We want different colors of walls. We want the windows in different places. We don't want 20 feet. We want 40 feet. You know, there's just so many different opinions. A lot of people have to work through their issues in order for them to settle on what they're doing. Churches go from one service to multiple services. I was a part of a church that tried to do that because the church could hold like 120 people and it was filled. And there was people trying to come in to find a place to seat. Well, there was pains that they had to work through. All of a sudden, on a whim, pretty much, they decided we are going to need two services. That's a stretch. All of a sudden, you're going to need ushers twice. You're going to need a piano player twice. You're going to preacher, obviously, just preach twice. But it's going to take a vast number of people in order to pull this off. The new ministries, right? That's a growing pain because you have a new ministry. How does this really work? Um, and it, because there's no ministry that's cut and dried that's the same in every church. When I think about uh, that, I think about the Awana program. Because I've been Awana since I was about eight years old. I mean, minus a couple of years. And I've seen it pretty much run the same way. Until I came to Plevna. It's very, very different uh, in Plevna uh, than it was where I came from. Because here in Plevna, we have the kindergarten through the sixth grade for the large group time. That's a pretty big age group to try to talk to. We, we have figured it out. I feel like it works well, uh, but that's a difference. We were used to doing, you had the, the kindergarten through second graders together and the third through sixth graders together. So you could have a different kind of lesson. Um, where I came from, we had two hours of Awana instead of an hour and a half. Maybe that's good. <laughs> Maybe that means we have more people who are willing to work for an hour and a half every Wednesday. Uh, here in Plevna, the awards, we don't wear uniforms. We have the Awana store at the end of the year that the kids work towards at the end of the year. Where I came from, you had uniforms, you had the little crowns, everybody got their little jewels every week uh, for the cost. You know, here at Plevna, the church pays for all the books. Where I came from, we had to do an Awana jogathon at the school track, and you would raise money for a whole hour of running around a track, and you'd get kids who would, or parents who would pledge you money to raise so that we could fund the Awana program. The order of service, there's just numerous things that we do, and it's okay. I love the way Awana works here. It works beautifully for this church. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that, but this works really, really well. I feel like our church has had to face many new opportunities, and our church has headed them well in the Awana program. In our church right now, what is the only pain we really have to deal with? It's the window panes, right? Kind of a corny joke. <laughs> but we have the pain of the windows that we have to work through. You know, um, when it comes to our windows, you obviously can't have both. Right? You can't have the high and have the low. That's kind of what it would look like. We're going to have to decide high or low. Some people are just going to be happy that we have new windows. Right? It doesn't matter what it looks like. We got new windows and I'm happy about it. Some people have opinions, they have strong opinions about what they prefer, what they think would be better. You know, but you know what? Not everybody's going to walk out of the room happy, right? Not everybody's going to get what they want. And that is going to be a bit of a struggle. It's going to be a bit of a, a pain because you, not everybody is going to be happy with the, the outcome of it. But it's a pain we're going to have to face. And for every pain as a church that we face, we need to find the solution to that, to that pain. And that's what the disciples did. Let me read verses 2 through 6. 
It says, so this is the solution that the, the disciples had. They said, so the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Verse five says this proposal pleased the whole group. Verse six says they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So what was their solution? Well, the first thing that the disciples did is, is they took the, the people seriously. They said, here is a problem that you as a, we as a church have to work through, and they took it seriously. It would have been a lot easier to brush it off, but they said, you know what? We are going to listen to this. Now, it doesn't say how the disciples heard about this. It doesn't say that these uh, Grecian Jews finally went to the disciples and talked to them. It doesn't say that they heard it through the grapevine. At some point, though, these guys had to come together and discuss what is the problem here. Yes, the Grecian Jews feel like they're getting overlooked, and the di disciple says, we are going to have to figure this out. So the disciples listen to them, and then the leadership, they set up the criteria for choosing the men. Right? They said, it is important to have the right kind of people in the right places. Now, their criteria is quite a bit different from what the world would pick. Because the world, when it was looking for leadership, and a lot of churches do this, and a lot of churches struggle because it is not the right way to do this. A lot of people, when they're looking for people to put in leadership positions, they say, we want somebody who has money. Because if someone's coming to our church here and they have money and we have a problem, that person is going to be more likely to fit the bill, right? Or foot the bill or, or encourage other people to give because they have money. All of a sudden they think because you're successful financially, you're going to be successful in leading the church. Uh, they, people say... Churches choose people with positions. Somebody's high up at a company. Yep, they're willing to manage the, this company so well. Obviously, they're going to be able to run the church, right? This is much more simple than the company that deals with zillions of dollars and makes has zillions of people. And they say, if you're successful there, we need to bring you here. They choose people with prestige, people with position, people with who are popular out in society, right? If I if I get somebody who's popular with the school board or somebody who's got popular at the out in the um, community, if I get them into church, guess what I'm hoping is going to happen? I'm going to get all those people to come to church too. So they use all these worldly reasons in order to say, let's put these people in position because they were going to attract people because they're going to be able to benefit us. But God's not worried about that. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He has more wisdom. The, fool, the wisdom of man is foolishness in God's sight. So he doesn't worry about what we think of as awesome wisdom. He doesn't worry about what we think of as wealth of the world and say, why don't you stick those people here? He says, I have something else that I want you to choose. These are the criteria that they gave, uh, that the disciples gave the men. First, choose men who are full of the Spirit. People who are going to follow God's leading, uh, led by the Spirit. Not by, not, they're not going to be overcome by man's opinions. They're not going to be overcome by fear of what people are going to think. They're not going to be overcome by their pleasures to do what they want. They are led by the Spirit. That's who you want to be in your leadership positions in your church. Also, they chose men who are full of wisdom. They have the ability to understand God's word and show to practically how to live it out. Right? These are the kinds of people that they wanted to put in charge of taking care of the, making sure the food was distributed to the widows. 
Now, you know, see, people can look and say, well, the disciples, they, they had the ministry of the word and they had prayer. And they said, that's beneath us, right? We're not going to get involved in get, taking care of the produce and the food and making sure it gets distributed. That's above us. No, that's never the case. They said, this is what we were given the ability to do. Like we looked at our scripture reading. Everybody has a spiritual gifting that God gave them to do, and they need to do it well. And they didn't pick slackers or just anybody to fill this position. They picked men who are full of the spirit and full of wisdom in order to do that, to manage this part of God's house well. And so whatever position you have, you manage that part well and use, make sure you are full of the spirit. Make sure you are full of God's wisdom as you do that. Don't look at any part like whoop to do. It really doesn't matter. You know, from Noah, who's cleaning the church, from teaching a Sunday school class to working in Awana, to being the trustee, taking care of the building, to being the, the decorating committee, whatever position it is, look at that position as something that is a special position and make sure that you are walking with the spirit, not walking in what you want, and, but walking the way that God wants you to do. Paul talked to Timothy and Titus about what kind of qualities they should be looking for in their leaders. Says you guys need to be looking for people who are above reproach, people that you're not going to find fault in, that they're not going out there and making a fool of themselves in other places. People who are temperate, who are self-controlled, who are respectable, who are hospitable, able to teach. People who are able to manage their own family well. Someone who's not a recent convert. Someone who has a good reputation with outsiders. This is quite a list. And this is the kind of guy that they're looking for to, to distribute the food to the widows. So these are quality people in every part of church. Every part of church should have a quality person. And everybody should be doing their part to the best that they can. The third thing that the disciples did was that they laid their hands on these men and they prayed for them. There was a public display of support that says, okay, we are going to pray and ask God to bless you to do this. We are showing everybody that we trust you to do this and we're taking our hands off. This is your job. This is what you are going to do. You're going to take care of us or care of this issue and we're all going to trust you to do this. And these people, as from what we know, they did this job well. But there was no slackers. There was no room for slouching. There was nothing except for doing the very best that they could do for the Lord. <clears throat> you know, when it comes to facing modern day problems in churches, you know, there's, there's a lot of easy answers out there that, that people have for how to deal with problems in the church. And some we, some we might like, uh, some we, we don't like. Um, I came up with three of them. One is to leave the church without saying a word. You know, I, I've experienced it here. I've experienced it in Davenport. People leave, and I, I don't even know why. I, I text, and I, or I try to you know, keep in contact with them, but they never tell me that they're leaving. They just disappear. I know in Davenport, it happened. It happened with the youth group. And it's like, it happened with the adults in church. And it's like, wait a second. You know, we probably could have worked through our problem had we sat down and talked about it like these guys did. I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's difficult to do, but it's the right thing to do is to at least give the church a shot to make things right. Some people will stay in the church, but they'll talk to everybody about the issue instead of the person that they need to talk to. You know, I'll, I'll tell everybody else my problem with the pastor, which hopefully no one has one, but I'll tell everybody else about my problem with him, but I'm not going to go talk to him. That's an easy solution, right? I never have to talk to Josh face to face and tell him what his problems are. 
And the, another easy solution is for the leaders. And I would include me, a leader of the church, and I've seen it in churches where the, the leaders do this, do a poor job, and they just ignore this, the problem. No, I don't think we as a church here have done that, but leaders in churches do that. They hear problems, and they don't want to deal with it. They feel like it's, it's not something that's worth getting involved in, and so they take the easy road out. All three bad things to do for modern church problems. The hard thing is kind of the opposite, is go to the person you have an issue with. Get involved in that confrontation, get involved in that conversation in order to try to give the church a fighting chance to make it right, to make it work out. Stay when your vote doesn't go your way. There's going to be somebody in here who doesn't get the windows the way they want. And that, that might be a, it might feel like a, a good reason to leave, it might feel like a petty reason to leave, but people leave the church for lesser things than that. The, co the color of the carpet, the paint on the walls, the, the music style. I mean, they leave for all sorts of reasons, just as, just as like the windows. So if it doesn't go your way, stay. Don't, don't let that be a reason to stop. When you've, when you've voiced your opinion, when you've said what you think, and it still doesn't go your way, keep your mouth shut if you're not happy, right? It doesn't help to tell everybody how wrong the choice was, whatever it was, right? You just have to say, okay, this is what the church has accepted, and we're moving on with it. And as far as, as, far as I, I look at this so far, I feel like our church has done well with this. I think about the Iwata program, and with VBS, you know, there's, there's been a lot of people who have put in a lot of input to how the VBS runs. And I'm, I'm for one, I'm very happy with it. I, I feel like uh, we don't accept every answer, though. I mean, I've, I've, I've received a couple of answers, like, for VBS, and it's like, we don't do everything just because somebody suggests this, this is a good a an answer. And they're not, all answers are not equal. So we don't take everybody's answers and try to do everything. We have to wade through and say which is a good idea and which is not. Um, but I feel like we as a church, even for the windows, everybody who is here was able, I feel like, to voice their opinion. Right? Everybody who wanted to was felt like they could say, this is what I want. And we as a church have put the trustee board in charge of the building. They are, this is their project. We as a deacon are, deacons are 100% behind them as this, in this project. You know, when it comes down to it, you know, instead of grumbling among ourselves because things didn't, you know, they, we, don't want, we don't want things to go a certain way. We shouldn't just grumble amongst ourselves. When we have the opportunity, we should share it. We should voice our opinions. That's what these guys did. At some point, they talked to the disciples about what their issues were. We should feel comfortable enough to say, you know what, maybe we could try something else. Uh, but we, we are a church family. We are a church body. Um, we should open our mouths. Don't just run away from the problem. Don't just complain about it. Instead of complaining between now and the point of making a decision, we should pray about it. You know what, God? I look at these windows and I say, I know what I think. I, I don't know what everybody else is thinking, God, but you know what's going to be best for our church. What's going to be the most unifying? What's going to be the most undistracted? Whatever it is the case, is instead of just complaining about the way you think it's going to go, pray about it. God, if you have to change Josh's heart, change Josh's heart, right? That's what we should be doing instead of complaining about it. And instead of leaving because we didn't get our way, we should adjust our attitudes 
or seating positions, right? If, if the windows go this way and it says it's too distracting, sit somewhere else. If it goes up high and it's distracting, try, try doing something else. But instead of just leaving because we don't get our way, just, just adjust your attitude. Change how you feel about this and, or ask God to help you to deal with it. Every church is going to have growing pains. There's a song that I grew up listening to. I'm not going to sing it to you, but it's called The Church Hop. Right? These people, it's like, let's do the church hop, the church hop. And they're hopping from this church. Oh, I don't like this church, so I'm moving to this church. And I'm moving to this church. And before you know it, they go to every single church that there is because they don't like it. Well, half the time is they just have to work through the issues. You know, it's like jumping out of, like why I said in Sunday school, I quit this job because I didn't like it. I just jumped into job after job after job instead of staying at that first one and working through what my issues were. I, I think about the, the one time I finally stayed when it was the toughest was when I was helping drill wells, which I never remotely liked. Um, but um, I was working for my boss and he was on the phone for a couple hours and, and he came out and he must have had a bad phone call and I didn't do something right and he just exploded at me. And I was this close to saying nothing, just hopping in my car and leaving. But I stayed. And that was, that was a huge, I'm talking about growing pains, that was a huge tough moment in my life to work with this guy. We didn't talk to each other for like three days on the job, right? And it's like, we have to communicate somehow. But I stayed and it was a huge growing thing to not run away just because somebody just blew up at me. And eventually, not because of me, this guy got saved. And his wife and kids were always praying for him and I prayed for him off and on. And, and now he's a brother in Christ where I never would have been able to be a part of that Okay, you're a jerk, you got saved, and now there's this huge difference. And, I, and God, I think, wanted me to see that, but it was tough, and I learned a lot through that. So every church is going to have problems, but every church can have a solution if we're willing to work through that. And now I want to just discuss for a few minutes, what was the result of this? Right? They had a problem. They said, hey, let's work about it. Let's work through this. And what's going to come across because of this? It says right there in verse 7, the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. God's word, our God's church went on just like normal, without a hitch. There were people in that church who probably had no idea what happened because they weren't widows, because they weren't involved in, and that there's, there's over 5,000 people. They can't all know every issue. So the church just continued just like normal. The people who could take care of it took care of it, and the church continued just like it had before. The word of God continued to be spoken in that church. The word of God continued to spread. The word of God, the, peop the people told their friends, the word of God continued to grow. You know, had those Grecian Jews not said a word, had they just said, I'm mad, I'm leaving because I don't feel like this is fair, you would have had probably a great big split in the church. And everybody would be saying, what in the world happened? And you'd have two sides that wouldn't talk to each other. And you'd have two sides that would go out there and explain to the rest of the world how this was unfair and how the other side did it wrong. Right? You guys have ever heard of a church split? I, I thankfully have never been a part of one. But you know how it works. This side is not happy with this side. They split and then the whole world knows the problem. And these, these two sides never tried to work it out together. And that could have happened. And that would have increased, that would have made... 
for a very bad reputation for the church of God back then. This church that is growing by leaps and bounds would have stopped growing. It would have had a horrendous reputation and nobody would have wanted to be a part of it. So facing new situations can be disastrous for a church. But I think this church was stronger because they worked through their issues. They got together, they talked about it, and they said, okay, I'm going to listen to you. You're going to work, listen to me. We're going to come up with a compromise, a way that we all can come to probably the same conclusion that everybody wanted. But if they didn't listen to each other, they would not have come to that conclusion. Now I think about our WANA program. We have faced numerous situations, numerous changes as we've gone along. I, I think about, uh, we, we moved, uh, we moved kids around. We've had, like, we used to meet downstairs, like even our routine. We used to meet downstairs with the with everybody around the Iwana store or Iwana circles. But kind of by a fluke, we moved up here a couple years ago to start off the year of Iwana because of the Christmas play and practice. And we're like, we like that. So we as a church kind of, as Iwana people, leaders kind of decided, hey, we'd like to keep it that way. With the COVID, Right, that definitely makes things a lot more challenging. We had a couple online large group times. We've had kids spread out. We've had different people at different places in the church. Uh, we just we just have evolved and changed this. And I, for me, it makes me excited because I feel like this isn't all about me. This isn't my program. This isn't the, the pastor leading it and it has to be his way. It's like making it fit for Plevna. If you took this and said, I'm going to stick this in Davenport, it probably wouldn't go so well. If you took Davenport and say, I'm going to fit it here, it wouldn't work well. I can guarantee you that. But we had issues that came up. And we, you know, if we had a bunch of cranky leaders because they didn't like those leaders or the decisions, we would have people who didn't want to be leaders. Um, if we had uh, people quit because they didn't like it, we couldn't have a wanna. Right? We need everybody who's involved in Iwana. And we need everybody part of our church to do their part. And so we as a church, I feel like for VBS, I feel like for Iwana, for all the different things we've had to do to change and adjust, the growing pains because of new situations, I feel like our church has done this well. So I commend you and I say thank you. Let's keep up the good work. And I hope moving forward, we can do this every situation that comes up without a hitch. When we vote on the windows, I hope that it's like, okay, I got my way, you didn't get your way, but we all recognize that this is good for our church. You know, that the word of God continues to go forth in this building, that it can, we continue inviting people and that we don't let a window decision or a painting decision or a music style decision stop us from being the church that God intended us to be. And I think we can do that. I think we can overcome whatever issues that might arise out of this, if any, because we are church that I think is willing to discuss their issues with each other. So we've all experienced growing pains, right? We've all experienced them physically, new family members, uh, within our businesses or our places of work. We've all had to deal with new people, new ways, new situations. It's just a part of life. When you, when you go out the doors, you never know what's going to come your way that all of a sudden we as a family have to work through this issue. We as a church have to work through these issues. But they don't have to be bad situations. They can be positive things. They can just be something that brings us together, unified to discuss and come up with the best option available. Now I'll tell you a little secret, Leslie will probably hear this, but when I first got married, I felt like I had to have all the answers. Any guy ever feel like that? 
You don't have to admit it if you don't want to. But I feel like when I got married, I had to know every every answer to every question Leslie had. Every decision we were going to make, I had to have the answer. That's a lot of stress, right? And I, even, even things, a way of doing things, ministry at church, that sometimes you think, boy, Josh had a good idea. Josh doesn't always have a good idea. Um, my wife, she, she has, I, I finally learned to say, okay, I'm going to try your way. And I'm like, oh, so much easier. I'm going to discuss options, even with our kids. Like, what's the best way to discipline our kids? What's the best way to raise our kids? And we work together as a team. And it's no longer just stressed out Josh trying to do it all. It's us as a team working together to make our family function the best that it can. And I just, I want to leave that, that picture in your mind that you as a family have had to do this. Let's as, as a church do this. We have problems. You don't just run away from your family. You have problems at work. You have to stay and stick through that. Let's as a church, let's make sure that we do that. When we're facing pains, growing pains or otherwise, let's use it as an opportunity to draw together and accomplish whatever it is that is really the best thing for our families as well as our church. Let's pray. Father God, I do thank you for this day. I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you, God, for this church, that it grew so rapidly and so quickly, and that, God, they had problems. And we can recognize that every church and every home and every business or sports team is going to have pains based off of because there's people involved. I just pray that, God, we as a church could always stay unified. We're not always going to agree, but you can help us, God, to have... Um, a good attitude towards each other, to listen to each other, to, to draw close together when we disagree instead of running away from us. I do ask God that whatever church decisions we have to make moving forward, I know we have the windows, but I know that other things are going to arise as well. Uh, I just pray that we would be unified and we'd be blessed because we chose to, to get together and discuss it instead of run away from it. Thank you, God, for your word, and thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen.